Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Everybody good? Come on, let me hear you. Just wonder, how are you doing today? Everybody good? Let's go. Yes. Love it. Good to see everybody. So glad that you all are here today. And once again, if we have not met yet, my name is Kyle. We're so excited that all of you are here uh, today. Before we dive in, just want to celebrate real quick. Um, uh, we were able to launch our marriage uh, ministry this past Friday night and, and just had a great time. So yeah, that's awesome. It's a great thing because we, we believe in having strong marriages and there were some of us there. And I just I love getting to hear everybody's story, right? Because every story has a struggle. But then there's also a testimony of how they overcame, and that encourages us. And so as we come together in the, the months and, and years to come in, in this marriage ministry, man, if, you, if your marriage has, has been struggling, or maybe you're in a good place, or you just want to come alongside some other uh, married couples, uh, man, that, that, look out for those dates and, and those announcements, because this is just an incredible time for us to, to come together and just share and grow uh, together. That's what it's all about. And then one more quick thing. Um, this past Wednesday night in our youth service, uh, we had seven students either gave their life to Christ or rededicated their life to Christ. Come on, somebody shout. We celebrate life change and people making decisions. We got actually most of the people getting baptized, they are students, are uh, teenagers. So we're so excited about what God is doing in our youth ministry, just in our church. And, and, and we're just, man, God is good. You might believe that today? Amen. Hey, how many of you have taken advantage of this online grocery pickup? thing. It's kind of a thing now, right? Yeah, okay, I see some hands in the room. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Like, you can you can order your groceries online, and, and you know, don't don't sit there and judge, like, all oh, these youngsters are just lazy, they don't want to go to the store. Like, you don't understand, like, well, maybe you do, because some of you, you've had kids, and trying to take kids to the store, it's a struggle, right? But now, like, online ordering, you don't have to take your kids to the store, because, you know, if you take your kids to the store, like, extra stuff ends up in the buggy that you didn't realize you got in the buggy. You know, toys, candy, little Debbie cakes, something, you know. So, you know, you don't have to worry about extra stuff in your buggy. And then you don't have to worry about, like, your children dying because you know you are on the edge when you leave that store. Come on, y'all don't have to act all holy in front of me because I know the struggle is real, right? But yeah, online pickup is awesome. You can have it even delivered right to your house. You can take advantage of the designated area that you can park and, and they just bring it right to you. No more waiting in lines. Right? You don't have to wait in lines and those long lines. You don't have to, you, you just you type in, like I'm here, this is what spot I'm in, they come bring it out to you. And it's, man, it's awesome. However though, there are some things, like we take advantage of Walmart pickup. That's, that's the main one that we do. Is I, I don't mind going into Publix. Publix is an in and out kind of thing, so I'm okay with that, Ryan. Y'all do good, okay? Um, and, and so I don't mind going into Publix. But Walmart, that's just mercy. Lord, we pray in your name for your Holy Spirit. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so, so we do uh, Walmart pickup. And so we've learned there's some things, though. There, there's some things that you don't order online. Right? So we learned like not to order meat, right? Because there's some things that like you get and it's like either like the, the deadline, the, the due date is like dead, done, you know what I'm saying? Like this is not, we probably shouldn't eat this, right? Or it's about to expire, so like, well, this ain't, this ain't my schedule, right? We weren't going to cook the meatloaf on Monday, but now I got to cook the meatloaf on Monday, right? 
And then fruit. Fruit is another thing we've learned uh, not to buy uh, through the pickup day because, we, you know, we, we eat a lot of strawberries, not just because it's Plant City and we, we homegrown type people. Like, that's the only fruit that my kids will really eat. So that's another struggle altogether. That's Evelyn. And so we just, just pray for us, right? Um, but, uh, but hey, so, 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 so they, they eat strawberries. And sometimes we've gotten strawberries and they're like two days in, bro. It's already growing stuff on it. I'm like, come on, seriously? You could give us better stuff than that? And then bananas, like bananas are the complete opposite. They'll give you some that aren't even right. They're just green. It's like, how are you going to give me some green bananas? I can't even eat this. i got to wait to eat these bananas. And I like bananas. I like bananas. I like banana uh, and peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yeah, I've got to eat that. Look at that. I put bananas on my cornflakes, my frosted flakes. I like to put bananas on there. Put bananas in smoothies. Haley, Haley makes these like little smoothies, and, and, and yeah, we we don't like the bananas. I love you some banana pudding. Where y'all come on? That's the glory of the Lord right there. Y'all don't feel it? All right, let me stop before it is gone for real. I love bananas, but man, when they're green, they're not they're not right, right? There's an internal change that happens to the fruit that comes out externally that we see in the color of the peel, right? So when they turn yellow, they're ripe and good to eat. Now let me flip this just in case you're wondering where I'm going uh, with this. Because we are God's people, the work of Jesus changes our lives, right? Aren't you thankful for that? But it changes our life from the inside out, just like that banana. So therefore, the internal change that happens inside of us, that happens in our heart, should start to sow some external change in our life, Right? I'm afraid far too many people, we start the other way though, we start with the external things like, oh, if I'm going to go to church, then I need to quit hanging, you know, doing all this stuff, hanging around, keep me up, stop smoking and chewing and hanging around with girls that do, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, we, we try to fix all those habits and those external things without getting to the root of all those things, right? And then we get frustrated when it's like, oh, I've been doing this thing, we're trying and we're trying and, and now I just... Now I'm back at it, and it didn't work, so God, just this thing doesn't work. Well, no, we never got to the root uh, of those issues. We never got to the root of our anger. We never got to the root of our addiction. We never got to the root of, of some of the issues and the anxiety and the different things that maybe we struggle with in our life. Because we never got the root. We never let Jesus finish that internal work that needs to happen in our life. Jesus wants to do spiritual surgery in your life. Amen. He wants to give you a heart transplant. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to make you new. Someone say new today. New today. But there's too many people. There's too many people that think they're following Christ, but the fruit doesn't show. The, the, the way they're living their life doesn't show that they're following Jesus. Christ came to make us new. He came to change us. He came to transform us. We should be different. If you accepted Christ in your life, you're trying to follow him, you have a relationship with him, you should be different. There should be fruit of you following Christ. If not, you're probably following the wrong Jesus or not really following him at all. Disciples, what we do is, is we are transformed, we, we are changed as we pursue Christ. It's a process. Some of it doesn't happen overnight. I've seen it instantly. I've seen people, uh, addictions off their life instantly. Boom, gone. 
seen it. But others, it's been a journey. It's been a process. I've, I've seen other things, and it's all different for, for each of us. But, but it's a journey. It's this process of justification and, and, and becoming righteousness and, and following um, after Jesus. So as I start a new series today called Disciples Do, right? I want us to learn what is the what are, what are true disciples? What are the marks of a true disciple? See, God didn't just call you to come to church. This is important. I'm glad you're here. Don't get it twisted. I'm glad you're here. But if this is the extent of our relationship with Jesus, we are missing a whole lot. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what God has for us today. Are you ready to see what disciples do? I want us to take a look at that. Jesus told his disciples to go and make other disciples, right? That's something that disciples do. They make other disciples. So if you are a Christ follower and you're not making other disciples, are you really a disciple? Jesus told people to come follow me, learn from my teachings. But also watch my life. These guys, these disciples that we see in scripture, they have front row seats to every teaching that Jesus did. They have front row seats to every bit of compassion that he showed. Every miracle that Jesus did, they have front row seats to. And Jesus says, follow me. I want to show you how to do this as well. I want to show you how to pray. So here's how you do it. And we see the instructions about how to pray. I want you to see, like, this is the kingdom of God. This is what God is wanting. This is what the Father is wanting to do. Follow me. Let me show you how to walk into that. And the same call is for us today. Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. Follow my teaching so we have God's word. Uh, pray. Listen to my voice. Hear me. I, I want to show you. I want to show you things. I want you to follow me. I want to teach you how to do this life that I'm calling you to do. There is a difference between becoming a disciple and being one. I, I love it when people say yes to Jesus. We love that. We celebrated it just a few minutes ago. I love it. But there's more to it. There's more to it than repeating a prayer. There's more to it than, than, than saying, hey, Jesus, come into my life. Now there's a process. Now, now it's more than just, okay, I became one. Now I need to be one. And we need to learn how to do that. We, we do really good at becoming. We do really good at repeating the prayer, making opportunities for people to say yes. But, but what about now, all right, how do you be one? And I apologize and, and really repent before God because I feel like the church has done a really bad job at doing that, just being truthful and, and honest. And that's something that we are working on moving forward. But let's learn that process together throughout this month, throughout November. Since Jesus wants to change our life, and he does, he changes us when we follow him. Let's learn to be different disciples. Different. Not some better version of ourselves. Different. We're made new in Christ. There's uh, some arguments amongst Christians, even some Christian leaders about what is acceptable for Christians to do. In other words, what can I hold on to and still be saved, right? And it's, it's crazy that that's a conversation still to the state. For instance, there's some that, that, that think that, that it's okay to drink, right? Right? And while, while that might be, that might seem like a great area in scripture, and here's the deal. If God is making me new, why in the world would I want to go back to the old way? You see what I'm saying, church? And far too often we're looking at how can I how can I skirt the line? How close can I get and still? Because I don't want to do that, man. After everything that Jesus has done, after everything that God has done in my life and in your life throughout the history, 
the, the cross, the resurrection, come on, the things that God has done, and we want to hold on to the old. I'm not okay with that. And neither should you be okay with that. Turn to Luke chapter 5 if you have your Bible or some app with the Bible on it. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1 there. As you're turning there, Jesus is teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Commonplace. Jesus would do a lot of ministry around the Sea of Galilee. This kind of is like the center of, of his ministry. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, that takes place in this particular area. And here Jesus is on the shore. And, and what happens a lot of times, especially as Jesus began to, to, to be known and, and, and word got around about him, uh, he had gathered a large crowd. And so this crowd gathers and, and he begins to teach. And, and, and all of a sudden, here comes these two boats up to the shore. And Jesus, looking at these two boats, he asked one of the guys if he can borrow the boats. These boats are all, uh, one boat was uh, Simon, many of us come to know as Peter, and his brother Andrew. The other boat, we see the sons of Zebedee. So we have John and James, also known as the sons of thunder, and their dad Zebedee. And these guys have been fishing all night long, right? And because that was their, their career, that was their skill, that was their craft, that was their trade, that was their life. They've been fishing all night long, and they're coming up to shore. They're done. They're beginning to wash uh, their nets. So let's, let's dive in to this today and learn what disciples do. Chapter 5, Luke, starting in verse 1. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's another name for the Sea of Galilee. It actually had a couple of different names uh, that people uh, know of. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And he saw the water's edge, two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Man, that's probably the coolest podium, pulpit, whatever you want to call it. I, I, don't, I would be distracted. Ted, I would want to throw a line out. I ain't even going to lie. So Jesus pulls up the pulpit on his boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, someone says say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. They ain't in a John boat, y'all. That's not a canoe. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. They had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Come on, let's pray. Father, we've gathered here today not just to sing some songs, have some coffee out before your cup of bagels. We haven't gathered here just to connect with each other because we can do that anywhere. God, we, we gather here 
Lord, so that we can encounter you, so that we can be the people you are calling us to be. And for far too long, God, we've, we've twisted that, we've, we've tried this thing and that thing, and all these different ways and these different systems, and God, all you want us to do is follow you. And help us, teach us, God, how do we do that? Lord, I pray that you stir this in someone's heart today, someone that maybe is on the fence and, and walking that line, Lord, to, to, to step all the way, but to go all the way in. Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, and this would be a beautiful day. For that to happen. Lord, call us unto you. Stir our hearts to you. Let us follow truly after you today. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is teaching. He's got to pull up on the boat. Jesus is like, no, let me use your boat. I'm going to get in. And, and maybe that was because he wanted to do this cool illustration. Like, if you don't like that we do illustrations sometimes. I had a door on stage last week. We did this illustration about distractions at the door, right? If you don't like that, then you need to go back and read. Because Jesus had all kinds of illustrations. He told all kinds of stories to relate to people. So maybe he had some cool illustrations that he was doing in the boat. I don't know. It doesn't say Maybe it was because the crowd was so big and he wanted to, to kind of step back and, 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 and get some space. I don't know why he got in the boat, but he got in, in his boat and, and he asked him if he could use the boat. So he jumps in. Simon says, yeah, it's okay. And then Jesus, when he's done teaching, he says, listen, I noticed you guys didn't catch any fish. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Like, we didn't know, you know. Rub it in a little bit. Now, why don't you go throw your nets out a little further? And they say this, and I think this is so profound. And I think you need to underline this in your Bible. Maybe you need to write this down if you're taking notes. But, but Simon's response was, he says this, what? Because you said so, I'll, I'll go let out the net. If you're, if you're going to become a disciple of Christ, we, we've got to learn to practice obedience to him. Obedience to his word, uh, obedience in, in our time of prayer when he calls and he says, hey, you need to do this, you need to pray, you need to give, or whatever it might be, you need to serve, whatever it might be in your life, we've got to learn to practice obedience. Obedience is a key component of following Christ. I, I know that's like super deep for you this morning, you know. Not really, it's pretty basic. Yet how often do we do that? Many, see, here's the thing, many want Jesus to follow them. Right? And they're like, Jesus, you follow me. God, I, I made this decision without you. I bought that car without you. Now, God, will you bless my decision? Many want Jesus to follow them. Many want the parts of the Bible that feel good. Oh, Jesus, come heal my broken heart. And yes, he will do that. Yes, he wants that. But man, he wants all of your heart. Many want God in their own image. But God created us in his Image. And because of sin, that has been broken in our life. And so we need Jesus because he died for those sins and he rose again so that we can now have life and be made whole. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In Matthew chapter 28, we see this great call that he gives to his disciples, known as the great commission to us. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20 of Matthew 20, he says this, Then teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Someone say obey. obey. Jesus calls us to 
follow him, in that following, in that pursuit, and we've got to learn to obey his word and his voice. There's a difference, though, in I have to obey and I want to obey. Religion would say, oh, i got to follow these rules. i got to follow. And that's what the religious leaders of that time would do, is they would lord it over people and say, hey, you got to do this, and if you don't, man, you suck. They didn't say that, probably, and I probably shouldn't say that either, but that's the extent of what they're doing. And they lorded it over them. It was a task. It was a, a chore. It wasn't something that was, I don't really want to do this. It's going to be like that. But no, after everything that God has done, we, we get to obey. We get to follow him. And as we obey, it unlocks blessing in our life. It unlocks miracles. It unlocks the things of God in our life. Obedience is key to being a disciple and following after him. And Simon looks at Jesus and he says, I love this. I'll say it again. He says, because you say so. In other words, listen, I trust you, so I will listen and obey. There was something special about Jesus that these fishermen recognized. Perhaps it was from when Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law in chapter 4. If you read the previous chapter, there's, there's a healing that takes place in, in, in Simon in his mother-in-law's life, right? Maybe it was something he said by his teaching from Simon's boat. Because Simon had a front row seat right there to this sermon. So maybe it was something that Jesus said that was like, man... That's good. Maybe it was something that caught Simon's attention. But whatever it is, Simon's like, because you said, because, because I, I trust you, I will do what you say. Simon led Jesus on this boat. And as he preached the word, we see like this trust begin to develop. So Jesus preaches the word on Simon's boat, but this is the thing. In John's gospel, what did he say? He said, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. He would go on to say that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So not only did Simon now have the word of God being preached from his boat, he had the literal, physical, tangible word of God right in front of him. I'm wondering if, if, you, if you ever come to a place in your life where like, you know what? I need to get the word in my life. I need to get the word in my house. I need the word in my boat. And I don't want to miss it. So you know what? I, I can get his word in prayer. I, I can see his, his word and his written word. And he can speak to me. And I can give revelation from that. I, uh, you know, I don't want to miss it. So I need to get the word. I need to get the word in my house. I need to get the word in my kids. I need to get the word inside of me. Wherever that I go. Simon had the word. And he trusted it, trusted his word. So he has been exposed now to the written and the audible word of God. And so he responds. How does he respond? With faith. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Simon could have easily said, Jesus, like this is a great thing, this is a great notion, yeah, go throw out the net. I know you're just trying to be nice and like, Adam, come on, you can do it. You can go one more time and you can do it. But, but here's the deal, Jesus. We've been out all night. Like, we are tired. We've already washed the net. Like, he could have came up with all kinds of excuses. We've already washed the net. Like, we're done. We're just ready to go home and call it a day. We, we've not caught anything all night. And Jesus, this is what we do. Like, this is our life. This is our career. We fish. Like, I, I, you're a great teacher. You do miracles, but we fish. So let leave that to us. <laughs> 
But we don't see that. He doesn't make excuses. He says, we've been at this all night. But because what? Because you said so. We will do it. Even though we didn't catch anything, Jesus. Even though, even though we failed. And even though, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. We were out there all night. Didn't catch a single thing. We know these waters. We've been fishing these waters our whole life. Come on, Ted. We've been fishing Cockroach Bay all of our life. We know where to catch the fish. But sometimes it is like that. You don't catch something. That's why they call it what? Fishing and not catching. Jesus, we've been out all night. There's sometimes, even in our failure, we have to have faith. There's sometimes that even though we don't feel like it, even though it doesn't make sense, I still got to have faith. We'll start singing a song here if I don't quit. Sometimes we want to trust our feelings more than we have faith. Feelings will fool you. We gotta have faith. Sometimes I don't feel like praying, but I know, like I, I don't want to miss Jesus, so I gotta have faith and pray through it. So sometimes I don't feel like coming in on Sunday and praising God and lifting up my hands and and, and this worship team wants me to jump and turn it around and do all this stuff and and, and man, I just I'm not feeling it there. But you know what? I gotta have faith that God's gonna do something. I don't feel like coming to church sometimes, but I know if I can just have faith and push through, God will meet me in the middle. Even when we have failure, even when we don't feel it, we got to have faith. Faith and obedience. This is what disciples do. It takes faith to follow Jesus. Faith is hope when all seems lost. Faith is strength when we feel like we have nothing left in the tank. And some of you might be in that place today. Beth Moore said it like this. Faith is believing and unshakable, God, when everything in me quakes and troubles. It took faith for Simon and these other fishermen to trust Jesus at his word. One of the other translations of the Bible, it says, at your word, I will do it. It took faith for them after all this is said and done to leave everything behind, to, to leave their nets, to leave their boats, James and, and John leave their father behind to follow Jesus. It took faith to do that. The main characteristic of those whom Jesus called as his closest, closest disciple was their willingness to put everything aside and follow Jesus. I wonder if we're willing to do that. To put our lives aside. To put things that we hold on to aside to follow Jesus. To truly be Disciples, they had no idea what the next three years, because that's how many years Jesus did his public ministry. He's putting together the team now, right? They had no idea what the next three years would bring. They had no idea what changes would happen in their life. It doesn't say. Jesus doesn't wait to say, all right, hey, I want you to follow me, but go to seminary first. Go to Bible college first. Hey, you need to know the, the, the first uh, five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, you need to know this. They probably did, knowing their, their heritage and nutrition. But, but it doesn't say you have to do all this study. Hey, you, know, you need to get your life right. You need to get fixed. You need to get right. And doing that, he calls them. 
And then there's this process over the next three years. They had no idea what change would happen. They had no idea what, what would change in the world. Jesus changed. He flipped the world upside down. And he's still doing that today. This would change their lives. It would change the world. They had no idea what they were getting into. All they knew was who they were with. That's all they had is that, man, there's something about this Jesus, and we want to follow him. We trust him. We're going to obey him. There might be some crazy things that you go through in your life. You may have already been through some crazy stuff. Man, if you know who you're with, if you know the God that I serve, if you know what God has for you, if you would just know what God wants to do in and through your life, it wouldn't matter what you are going through or what you have been through. You can trust him. Jesus wanted to use these guys to change the world. And when you trust him and you obey him, you will see miracles. You will see mountains move. And God will use whatever you have for his work. He'll use whatever you have. He'll use your story, whatever you've been through. We've all been through different things, but God will use that to reach someone. He will use your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your resources. He will use your life to reach the world around you. Jesus used what Simon had to carry out his work. First, he used his boat, and then he used his life. And maybe today you might think, like, why me, you know? Why would God want to use me? I'm, I'm messed up. Man, we are all messed up. We all got issues. We're all messed up. We're all just a bunch of crackpots and God's trying to mold us back together. Maybe you feel like you don't have much. Simon didn't catch a thing that night. He didn't have anything. Don't you know Jesus can do a lot with a little? A few fish, a few loaves. You can do a lot of that. You can feed 5,000 people. Jesus can do a lot with a little. You might think I've messed up too much. Maybe you think, you oh, know, I'm messed up. It doesn't matter. Maybe you think, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. It doesn't matter. Simon, these, these fishermen, they, they were some unlikely people. All these guys are probably just rough and tough guys. I can, I can picture them. They're, they're fishermen by trade. And they're probably out on the boat. They're cracking jokes, like dirty jokes probably, you know, like talking about each other's mama and probably fighting and cussing and tipping back a few time or two, like, you know. They're fishermen. It's just, this just roughneck guys that are growing up. I was talking with someone not too long ago. We were, we were out in the football field. Both of our sons playing the same football team. And someone dropped the F-bomb around this. If you don't know what that is, Google. Well, maybe don't Google it. Never mind. Just do that. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, we, you know, we were kind of like, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I bet, I bet the disciples, I bet they dropped the word or two in their journey with Jesus. I bet they said some weird, obscure stuff. Because Jesus called them and he didn't wait for them to, to get everything right and to be perfect, right? He called them as they were and as they followed him. In fact, uh, Peter was one of those. Peter was impulsive. Read, read about Peter's life. And Peter was often impulsive. He oftentimes put his foot in his mouth. There was one time Jesus called him the devil. 
Jesus is trying to tell him, listen, I'm, I'm about to die. I got, I got a work to do. And Peter's like, no, we'll fight for you, Jesus. And like, he wasn't wrong, but Jesus is like, no, I have to do that. Get behind me, Satan. Peter didn't even know what he was talking about. He was, he was a know-it-all at times. Prone to violence. He cut a dude's ear off, Caesar. Something like that, man. Simon was an unlikely disciple, but when Simon chose to follow Jesus, it transformed his life. That's what's supposed to happen inside of us. When you say yes to Jesus, he will change your life from the inside out. Come on, how many of you today, you're no longer the same. You, you have been saved, set free, delivered, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You might as well shout this morning if that's you today. When Jesus comes into your life and you give your life to him, not the same, at least you shouldn't be. He was no longer the same. In fact, Jesus changes his name. He doesn't go by Simon anymore. We know him as Peter. He changes your identity. He, he, he not only changes his name, but he says, now I'm going to give you a new calling. Listen, you used to, to be a, a fisherman, but now you're going to fish for men. You used to catch fish alive that would soon be dead, but now you're going to catch people so that they might live. That's what Jesus does in our life. Peter became different. He became a different disciple. God, don't you, God, God can do such a deep work in your life that you don't even look the same anymore. Some of you, you're going to go to your 10-year reunion, your 20-year reunion. Some of you, maybe 40 or longer than that. I don't know. No judgment. But you're going to go to those high school reunions and people are going to see you like, wow, what's going on in your life? And, and, and they're going to be able to see like, wow, you're, you're not the same as you were in high school. Good. Like, I, I hope that some, some changes have been happening. You're going to see some people sometimes at your job and they're going to be wondering why, why like, 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 the boss has been such a jerk this week. Why, why do you have such peace in your life when you get an opportunity to tell them, let me tell you about Jesus. I have peace because he's the prince of peace. I can have peace in my life because, oh, well, there might be a storm going on around me, but then I've got the strength of God. There's going to be some things that some people look at you and they're not going to understand. Something's different about you. And he will use what you have for his work, whatever that is. Use your life. He, he's God. And I think it's interesting, being that he's God, he could have done anything here. Why didn't he use a boat? He could have walked on water, because he would do that at some point. He, he could have done any kind of miracle, Mike. He could have done anything right here, but he said, no, I want your boat. Why? Because this was Peter's life. This was his livelihood. This wasn't just a boat that he went out with the boys on the weekend to go catch some fish. Like, this was his job. This is this how he provided for his family. This was, this was his life. This was his trade. This is how I want to use. I want to use you. Not just your boat, but Peter, I want to use your weaknesses. Peter, I want to use your brokenness, man. And we're going to reach other people. We're going to reach other broken people. We're going to reach other people that are unlikely. your life. So if you're in the place today and you're thinking, why, why would God use me? Listen, he isn't looking for the most qualified or the educated. He's looking for someone who is just willing to have faith and obey. Someone who's just willing to trust God at his word. Because he said so.
So just in case you're struggling today with trusting God, when you decide to quit doing it on your own and give it to God, you're going to see God move in your life. I promise you, maybe today is that day. Maybe by the end of this service, you're going to say yes to, to Jesus. You're going to say yes to, to the struggles. You're going to say yes because you've been doing it on your own for far too long. And, and you're going to say yes today. I, I promise you, watch what God will do in your life. Just ask someone around you to testify of his goodness. Just ask someone who's been healed in this room of some sickness, of cancer in this place. Just ask someone who, who, who said, you know what, I'm going to try this tithing thing because I, I tried to do it on my own for far too long and I've never looked back since God has been faithful. Why don't you say amen this morning? When you decide to quit doing it on your own, God will move in your life. And they recognized that Jesus was able to do what they couldn't. They tried to fish all night, could not catch anything. And I don't know, like, they're, they're not out here. I have like a 10-foot bait net. And you know, you throw it out and, and, and spread it out and you catch these little bait fish and you pull it in. They're not throwing that kind of net. They probably have some kind of pulley system with ropes and they're, they're dropping it down and, and they're pulling in like much bigger fish. They, it's like hard work and they're going and they're tugging and, and they have been at this all night and, and didn't catch anything. And then here comes this rabbi, this teacher, this preacher, this miracle worker. He comes rolling up to him out. Hey, why don't you go out in deep water and throw out in this spot? I laugh in the face. He's, I probably laughed at it like, are you serious, bro? Like, really? We've been out here all night. But that's what God does. What we can't do on our own. <laughs> Nothing is too difficult for him. They recognize that Jesus was able to do what they could not. Why don't you find yourself in that place today? Some of you have been trying to do it on your own. Some of you have been running to this thing and that thing. Trying to fill up on this thing or that thing. You're running from this person to that person. When are you going to stop running? Today. Yeah, I hope so. When are you going to stop running? Because you know it hasn't worked. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you've tried all sorts of things and, and maybe you're tired of running that proverbial hamster wheel and you're, you're, you're just done. Why don't you get off? Why don't you stop running? And just turn your eyes to Jesus today. What they couldn't do on their own, they were able to do with Jesus' help. When Jesus directs our work, it makes all the difference. We can work, and, and we can work hard, and we can work for a long time, and, and be, like, be like these fishermen and not get any results on our own. But when Jesus directs our works, we see results. We always miss something great when we make excuses instead of allowing Jesus to direct our work. How many times have we seen people in the lowest moments of their life finally turn their eyes to God and say, God, I'm done. Tried it on my own for far too long. How many people we've seen, they hit rock bottom and all they can do is look up and, and finally we see them give it all to God. I've tried everything, it didn't work. I've tried feeling that empty place and it's left me even more unsatisfied and empty. Amen, if that's you today, will you follow Jesus? Yeah. By the end of this service today, we want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. This is the first of many miracles that Peter is going to get to see. And all, oftentimes, come after a great frustration or a great failure. They were up all night trying to catch fish, didn't catch anything. 
don't know if you've ever tried to fish. You're excited. Man, I'm like, today's the day. I'm going to hook that one. You go all day and you don't catch anything. All you go, yeah, it does. It's terrible. Man. All you go home with is some sunburn and, and, and you're hot, tired. Then you got to go home and clean the boat, right? And you got nothing to show for. There's, there's some things in our literal life that happen that way. Sometimes we thought, man, I've been working at this. And, go, and maybe you even feel like that sometimes spiritually. It's like, man, I've been trying to, to pray. I've been trying to do all the things. And then I just, you know, I don't feel like I've got nothing to show. Why don't you turn to follow Jesus? Be like Simon and these guys and give it to God. Many miracles that they would uh, get at. A first eyewitness to people who were sick, blind, lame, at the lowest points of their life. But they put their faith in Jesus and they were healed. Peter was there the day that Jesus got arrested. He was there when they falsely accused him. He was there when they put him through a, a fake trial. He was there when they put him on the cross. And as you can imagine, this was a great frustration and heartache for them. They've been following this guy for years and, and years. And even though Jesus tried to tell them what was going to happen, that, that this was still, it's like you can imagine that Jesus is dead. Our Savior is dead. Our Rabbi is dead. Our teacher is dead. Our Master is dead. We've followed this guy for three years. What, what do we do now? And they're hurting and they're broken. But Jesus is like, hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. It's three days later. Come on, he rose again. He did probably his greatest miracle. And they were first-hand witnesses to all of this. Peter and the boys, they were done. They had been out. They were ready to put the boats up and go home. But Jesus wasn't done yet. And just when you think when you're done, just when you think all hope is lost, just when you think you're ready to quit, come on, just when you think that marriage is over, just when you think that there just doesn't seem to be a way, put your trust in Jesus, turn your eyes to him, obey and trust him, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't, uh, when it doesn't make sense, look to Jesus, trust him, because that's what disciples do. Worship team, you guys can come up. Before Jesus, many of us were just like these guys, struggling, broken, lost, maybe even for you, addicted, going through all sorts of things, maybe going through trauma from some previous experience. But for many of us in the room, Jesus changed everything, because that's what he does. Jesus changes everything. And before Jesus, these fishermen, their problem was empty nets. Before Jesus, their, their, their problem was empty nets. They didn't have enough. But I want you to see this. There's this principle that's about to come into play. See, what we surrender to God is redeemed. So when you surrender your life to Him, it's redeemed. It's, it's blessed. When you give the tithe, when you give that 10%, the 90% is redeemed. It is blessed. Guess what? You'll do much, far much better with the 90 than you can do with the 100 on your own. The boy with the fish and the loaves. It didn't seem like enough. They had to feed thousands of people. They only had a few fish and a few loaves. But Jesus said, Won't you give it and we'll make a way? And as soon as that was given, it was multiplied. That's the principle at play. What is given, what is surrendered to Christ is redeemed. And when these fishermen, when they obeyed Jesus and they gave their boat, and when they obeyed when he said cast the net out, when they did that, their problem was no longer empty nets, but now breaking nets. 
Come on. Before they had no fish, now they had so many that their necks were breaking. Their boats were full and about to sink. Before they didn't have enough, now they had more than enough. And that's what we do. When we give our life to Christ and we begin to follow Him, we begin to look at Him. Come on. God is more than enough for you today. That's what's at stake here. That's what's at play here. When you follow Jesus, I'm just wondering what God wants to do with what you give Him. I'm just wondering about your life today, and I'm wondering what, what would God do with your generosity? What would God do with what you give? I'm wondering what God wants to do with, with the time that you want to give Him. I'm wondering what God wants to do with the talents and the gifts and abilities that, that he wants you to give him. I'm wondering what God wants to do with your life if you would give it to him today. Like truly giving it to him. Not, not just lip service, not just repeating some words, not just saying it, but actually doing it. Not just becoming, but being true disciples. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, what, I'm wondering what God wants to do with your vote. Again, the boat is just a metaphor. It's a symbol for Peter's life. I wonder what God wants to do in your boat. What miracles can he do in and through your life so that we can reach the world around us? So that you can reach your neighbors, your family members that aren't saved, your co-workers, people you come in contact with you just in your everyday routine. I'm wondering what God wants to do in and through your life. Because as Peter gave, as Peter said yes, as Peter responded in obedience and in faith, God performed a miracle. And it changed his life, Andrew's life, James and John's life forever. When Peter saw the great power of Jesus displayed in an area that Jesus probably didn't have knowledge about, when they saw Jesus perform this miracle, they were fishermen. He wasn't, but he told them where the spot was, said, how did it change Peter? Like, it made Peter realize who Jesus was, and it made him aware of his own spiritual makeups compared to Jesus. What did he say? He said, depart from me, depart from me Lord. I'm a sinful man. He became aware of who Jesus was and who he really was and how he needed the Savior. Because Peter was such an experienced fisherman because he knew how unfavorable the conditions were, he knew all the more what a great miracle this was. Peter had hardly met Jesus, yet he already knew so much about him. And because of that, he understood some things about himself. He understood that Jesus was Lord. He understood that, that he was just a man and a sinful man at that. And Peter let this humble him. So he turned to Christ. He said, I'll follow you. Dropped everything and followed after them. These men were not necessarily more bold. They were not more intelligent. They were not more spiritual. They just recognized who Jesus was. And they responded to him in faith. Come on, would you stand up with me this morning? We're going to get ready here in just a few minutes to pray. If you'd like prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you and pray for you. We've also got communion available in the back if you'd like to take that. You're welcome to, to go back there and someone will lead you in communion. You can take that back to your seat if you want to. You and, and your family want to take communion. That's available for you today. Sometimes we do it as a whole group and, and, and we just like to offer it for you if you'd like to take that today as a 
chance to respond. In a few moments, if you're not doing that, we're going we're gonna to pray. I believe that some people are, are going to be touched by the power of God. We're going to worship together one time. Some people are going to get baptized today. They're going to go public with their faith. But before we do that, before we do that, Jesus changed Peter's life. Will you let it change yours today? Will you truly follow him? Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.